over to the New Testament. We're going to continue our study um, in the book of 2 Timothy. And so you will find 2 Timothy sandwiched between 1 Timothy and Titus over in the New Testament, if need be. No one looking around this morning, if need be. If you need to help finding 2 Timothy, there is nothing wrong with turning to the table of contents and figuring out what page that's on. Amen. It's there for a reason. Use it. But also, I'd just encourage you to maybe put a bulletin or something in 2 Timothy because we're going to hopefully be there for a little while as we study uh, this word. So as we begin this morning and as we dive back into 2 Timothy, I just want to remind you of kind of where we are in Scripture. That Paul is writing to his protege. He's writing to a fellow pastor, a fellow man of God, a fellow laborer in the field. And he's writing to him these words of wisdom. But not only is he writing to him these words of wisdom and he's writing from his heart, Paul realizes that he is near the end of his life. He's in prison and he's waiting to be executed. So as we read this, it's not just another chapter in the Bible. This is a letter that God is using then and now to spur us on to what he's called us to do, to remind us to remain faithful as we serve him. So a kind of quick overview, especially for those of you who might have missed the other messages real quick, we've talked about thus far, uh, as we've preached verse by verse through this, of what is God's will for your life, looking in verse 1. And then we talked about how grace, mercy, and peace, as, as, as Paul is praying, uh, may that be for you as well today. May that be true. In verse 3, Paul said, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. And so as we think about that this morning, we are called to serve. Each and every one of us are called to serve in some unique way. And so I encourage you to tap into what that is. You know, God saved you to be a conduit through whom his glorious life-changing gospel would flow to others, right? The gospel came to you because it was headed to someone else. So we must not forget that. And then last week uh, or two weeks ago when we talked about this, we talked about a clear conscience. How might we have a clear conscience? Well, one of the ways is just through a regular time of prayer. That will help us to have a clear conscience. Uh, The psalmist says, Lord created me a clean heart. Right? We're to ask God to do that. We're to ask him to reveal those hidden areas of sin in our life that we're allowing, not allowing him to touch. We're not allowing him to change us. So we need to be, through regular prayer, the way we can have a clear conscience is that we ask for forgiveness. That we pray for our enemies. That we thank God for those we love. And if we do that, those things will help us to have a clear conscience. So this morning I want to turn our attention to 2 Timothy and we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. So I invite you to look with me now as we read from God's holy and precious word. Actually, I'm going to read 3 through 5. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Verse 4. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that 
dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active, and it is still bringing truth and life to those who seek it. And so, Father, I pray now that I might decrease and that you would increase, and that these, your people, would hear a fresh word from you today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so I want us to begin to look at this this morning, and I want us to begin to unpack it. As I begin to study this, I want you to see that in these verses, 3, 4, and 5, we see this word that Paul uses three times. He says, I remember you constantly in my prayers. As I remember your tears... Then he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. So I want to ask you this morning, first and foremost, what do people think about when they remember you? What do people think about when they remember you? And as I began to study that, I just, I kind of looked at that word remember and remind. You know, if we, if we remember something, that's for it to come to mind, for us to think on it again, that it's retained in memory, that we're giving it some attention or consideration. And if we're reminded of something, listen, it's to make someone think of something they may have forgotten. And so when people think of you, as Paul is telling us here, he's saying, hey, I When I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, I am reminded of your tears. You see, friends, that speaks of love. That speaks of a bond. That speaks of a relationship that these two had. You see, verses 3 and 4 are connected And I'll kind of lynch this together by saying this, thanksgiving leads to joy. Because see, Paul is saying, as I thank God, how's he going to thank God? That's through prayer. So as I'm praying and thanking God, and I'm remembering you in my prayers, I remember your tears. I long to see you that what? I may be filled with joy. I think it's interesting here that Paul says that he remembers his tears, that we spoke of that that means that there was that love, there was that connection, there was that bond. But you see, it was that last farewell when Paul and Timothy departed that Timothy was overcome with emotion, so much so that he wept. You see, we live in a day and time in a society that's like take it or leave it. You know, you, you depart from someone, you part from something, or someone leaves your life, or they move on, and it's just like, oh, okay. But this was speaking of that bond, that connection that they had. It also speaks of this, that later we see in Second Timothy that Demas, Cretans, and Titus have all moved on. They've either deserted Paul, or they've moved on to something else. And only Timothy not eager to depart, was the one who stayed connected. And so I'm reminded of a fellow pastor that I know, and and I wrote this in my notes. We're to have 
4 a.m. friends. You know, who are those people in your life like a Timothy, like Paul, that when you are down in the dumps or if you got the worst phone call of your life or text at 4 a.m. in the morning, who would you call? Do you have those? And I I would submit to you this morning, I don't think that for most of us that there are a lot of 4 a.m. friends in our lives. But we need one. We need two. At least we need a few. We don't have to have an over and abundance. But who would be your Paul? Who would be your Timothy? Who would be your Barnabas? The where when you're in the trenches and you just got this gut wrenching call, who would you call? But see, here's the thing I want you to think about this morning is that we think about 4 a.m. friends. We think about this morning just having those relationships. That's built over time. And that's doing life with one another. That's sharing life. That's praying for one another. That's being patient as we talked about, I think, on Wednesday night, either this past week or the week before. That's being patient with one another. That's loving one another. You see, friends, Sunday morning is great, but as Andy Stanley says so often, and I just took to heart, that circles are better than rows. Because this morning you're all facing me. You're, you're looking to me who's hopefully going to be a messenger of the Lord for the Spirit to work through me to speak to you. But you're looking forward. You're not really looking around. How can you get to know the person who's behind you? You have to spend time with them. And that's forged over time. That's forged over tears. That's forged over frustration and anger sometimes. You know what? Because We're all unique and we press each other's buttons, right? But it's forged over time. And so I just want to encourage you that as we see this morning, as we study this verse, that thanksgiving leads to joy. As you thank God for those he's placed in your life and the blessings that he has given you, you will remember other people. You will remember why you're thankful that God has placed them in your life. Can I just tell you that uh, a moment of transparency, I dusted off a, a prayer app that I've had and it's, it's been, it's been beautiful because one of the things that I did was I loaded that app. It has different lists. And so there's a list with my family and there's a list with each and every one of you. There's a list of prayer requests from our church. There are people that I the Lord's placed a burden on my heart to connect with. There's my business contacts. There's some ministries that I know of. And so what I love about this app is each day I open it up and it gives me one or two from each of these lists to pray for. Now, what has that done? That has focused my prayer time. And what's been amazing to me as I sit down and I'm praying over those things, as those, as those names come to mind, it's amazing what God will give me to pray for them through his spirit. Sometimes you might not know. There's one particular request that I got to dig and I got to say, okay, God, I've seen this name. I've heard this name, but how do I pray specifically for them? Hey, Gabe, I'm getting a little bit of um, feedback this morning for some reason. I don't know what the deal is. Hopefully you guys can't necessarily hear it on the phone. Maybe that'll make it a little bit better. So what do people think about when they remember you? 
Here, here we see. It's Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Friends, can I remind you this morning that joy should be evident in the life of a believer? As I began to think about that, I said, okay, God, isn't joy like one of the fruits of the Spirit? So I turned over and I found where the fruits of the Spirit are. It's in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. And so I just want to read that for you this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. As Paul talks of the fruits of the Spirit, I find it fascinating that first and foremost... Love should be an attribute of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. But secondly, he says there should be joy. Joy should be evident in the life of a believer. As I've pastored you for just over two years now, sometimes I often wondered if there was joy. (laughs) Right? I wanted to be like, tell your face. Not just y'all, but other people that I've ministered to. You know, tell your face if there's some joy. And I began to just think on joy. You know, and there's a difference between joy and happiness. Uh, one of the people I think that's kind of a great man of God that I often kind of go to as I'm, I'm looking and kind of studying. I said, okay, what, what's, what's he said about joy? And one of the things I appreciate about this particular man's ministry is he, he writes, he has other people that write with him. They put out a little booklet. They put all their stuff online. You can find it. Amen. They don't just say, Hey, you got to pay an entry fee, but they give it away to help people grow closer to Jesus. And that man is Dr. Charles Stanley. And so I found an article that he wrote in December of 2014 called maintaining joy. Listen to what he said. Though some people use the terms happiness and joy interchangeably, there is a vast difference in their meaning. Listen, both cause pleasant emotional response, but the former relies entirely upon circumstance. As soon as difficulty arises and pain intrudes, a person ceases to be happy. On the other hand, Joy is a gift from God that enables the believer to find hope and peace even when life seemingly falls apart. At times, however, Christians live joyous, joylessly. Try to say that ten times fast. At times, however, Christians live joylessly. Sinful behavior, of course, is one reason, but there can be other causes too including regret about past failures, fear of future mishaps, or a pattern of discontentment that's ingrained in one's personality. This last paragraph I'll read kind of sums this up. If you're a follower of Jesus but lack gladness, take a, remem- take a moment to remember who Christ is 
So that's what we're to do. We're to remember who Christ is, and we're to remember who you are in Him. So there should be joy in the life of a believer. I think I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again, because sometimes we need it to stick, right? We don't always get it on the first time. This morning, as we think about being filled with joy, one of the greatest acronyms I've ever heard for joy was this, that if we would, if we want and we desire joy, the joy of the Lord in our lives, that we can pray three specific things off of that word joy. And they are Jesus, others, and you. Right, if your prayer life would take that on, if you would start your prayer and you would begin thanking Jesus for who he is and for what he's done, if you want to know some things to pray, get in God's word. God's word says that he is the creator of the heaven, earth, and seas and everything in them. Right? Last week we studied Psalm 18. He says where the psalmist tells us that the Lord is our rock, he's our refuge, he's our strength, he's our strong tower. You praise God for those things. Praise God for what he has done in your life. And then pray for other people. Can I tell you, as I have been working through this app and praying for these people, as I began to think about this message, I've been praising Jesus and starting my prayer time with praising him. And I've been obviously spending a lot of time praying for others. But I really haven't been praying for myself. But you see how when you get those things in order, That that's where joy comes from, is putting Jesus, others, and then yourself. So how do you do that? You pray it and you live it. Jesus, others, and you. Now, I just want to say, as I want to touch on this really quick because I haven't touched on it yet. Verse 5, I'm not going to go in depth on that. If you would like to... um, hear a message on verse 5 that's actually the verse that I preached on Mother's Day of this year. And so I'm not going to go back in depth on that particular verse, but if you want to go back and listen to that, like I said, you have five means to be able to do so, our website and those apps, uh, to be able to listen to our messages, and it should be on there. If not, just contact me and be glad to send you a link. But here we see three times in the opening of his letter to Timothy that Paul says, remember, remember, and reminded. You see, friends, as we pray for people, we are reminded of the impact that they've had on our lives and the lives of others. The things that are admirable that we would want to have present in our own lives. As I began to think about that, and I began to think about the impact of others on our lives, I think of my buddy Jim Johnson, who is the pastor at Paxville Baptist Church. You know, I think back, and he was one of the people that I prayed for this week, and I'm thankful that in my life and my relationship with Jim, that he invited me in. He, In my time when we were together at Northside... He invited me and gave me opportunities, him and Pastor Jimmy. They gave me opportunities to serve. They invited me to serve alongside of them. But then also there was a time that came that Jim invited me to go in to hear Jimmy preach a revival. And so what did we talk about a few minutes ago about having those 4 a.m. friends, having those people that you get close to in your life, at least sometimes for a season? How did Jim and I really get to know each other? 
we hopped in the car and we rode to Lancaster to hear Jimmy preach. And so we began to have a conversation and to talk about life and to talk about ministry and talk about goals. And it was there that Jim planted the seed about school. And he told me, he just, I don't even remember how he told me. He just wasn't intentional, I don't think. He was just sharing. He said, you know, there's a seminary extension in Turbyville. And that's all he said. And he said, well, maybe you need to talk to Dr. Harris, which was at the Santee Baptist Association. So I did. And I talked to Dr. Craven, and that led me on a journey of going to school. And all I did was take a next step, knowing, okay, God, I need to go to school. And then I had the opportunity and got invited. Again, there's that word, I was invited to become the youth and outreach pastor at First Baptist in Turbyville. But you see, that's how God works. You don't know the greater picture. All he's inviting us to do is take a next step towards him and towards others. As I think about my buddy Chris... I think about, he was one that I prayed for this week, my buddy Chris Reardon. And I'll tell you two things about Chris that I really love and admire. First and foremost is that he challenged me. You know, we, we work side by side. We would talk about, we get, we got paid sometimes to talk about life and ministry and our walk with Jesus, right? It was great. I loved it. I miss that friendship that we had and that bond that we had. But there came a day where I was, being a jerk, yes, I admitted that. It's recorded and, you know, it is true. I was being a jerk that day. I'll never forget. He had the boldness and the courage and he said, sit down and be quiet. I have something I want to say to you. And I'll never forget that moment because I needed that. And through the trench, through that difficult conversation that grew us closer together. And so the thing that I prayed for Chris this week is I'm appreciative of his prayer life. That any time he ever prayed with me, it was the most genuine, humble prayers that I'd ever had prayed. Right? Because he wasn't trying to be rote. He wasn't trying to just tap into something else. He was, it was in that moment of letting the Spirit work through him. They were genuine. And so I admire, as we talked about, those people, when they're reminded and the impact they've had on your life is to be, just pray in the moment. That's the Lord for guidance. Sweet, humble prayers. I also found it interesting, sorry I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but my notes are scattered, if you will, to some extent. But I want to make sure I hit on some of these things that we're talking about this morning. In verse 4, Paul says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you. The King James says, Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. So he longed to see him, but it wasn't just a long. It was greatly desiring to see him. You see, friends, we are a product of who we hang around and what we consume. Psalmist kicks it off in the book of Psalms, Psalm 1-1, very beginning of Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord 
and on his law. He meditates day and night. Who we hang around, we're a product of that and what we consume. Proverbs 13, 20 tells us, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And then Paul tells the church at Corinth, and what I'm amazed by this is it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love the book of 1 Corinthians. If I could only probably have one book of the Bible, it would probably be 1 Corinthians. God just takes me back there all the time. And I'm like, really, God? This is in one of my favorite chapters. My life verse comes later in, in chapter 15. But in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ru- ruins good morals. So, friends, we are a product of who we hang around and what we consume. But I want to ask you this morning this. What are you allowing to fill your life? What are you you allowing to fill your life? As we see here this morning... Paul shows us in these verses that as we are praying and we're thanking God, that that will remind us of those who've had an impact on our lives. That that thanksgiving leads to joy. But can I remind you this morning that it's other believers who love you and who love God. And so this morning, who in your life have you, you're just so thankful if they walk into the room because maybe you're a little down. Is there someone in your life that is like Timothy was to Paul that when he is down and he's going through the valley, he's going through the trenches, he's like, Timothy, I long to see you because I know when you get here that I will be what? Filled with joy. So this morning I invite you to praise God and thank God for those people in your life who love you, who love God, and who will fill you with joy. But I also want to ask you this. What in your life do you need to lay aside? What in your life right now, maybe a habit or something that that you're regularly doing, what do you need to lay aside that's filling your life that you may be filled with joy? That you may be filled with love, peace, Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this study of Timothy. Lord, when we just slow down, we just digest your word and we pray it back to you. Lord, you help your spirit. Thank God for your spirit that you help us to connect the dots and to see the bigger picture. God, I'm thankful that even this morning as I reviewed my notes, you helped me to see that thanksgiving praying and thanking you for those who love us and love you and have had an impact on our lives. Lord, that leads us to joy forevermore. So Father, I thank you for those in my life who have invested in me, who have poured their joy and their presence has brought me joy.
And Father, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice, Lord, that they may find that Timothy, they may find that Paul, they may find that Barnabas in their life to where when they're going through the trenches, they may have wisdom to tap into. They may be encouraged. Or, oh God, will you give them the opportunity to be like Paul and to pour what you've done in their lives and their heart and how you've moved and what you've done into the life of someone coming behind them. For God, the gospel came to us because it was headed to someone else. Father, help us to be vessels of hope and encouragement through whom your glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to others. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We ask that you would guide us and direct us that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts and minds this coming week. Help us to seek you and to make much of Jesus. For it is in his holy and precious name I pray. Amen.